The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. And hi, everyone. This is not Terry Aranga. This is Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry. And I am very happy to be here with you today because we have a very loving, happy, joyful, feel-good today show um, that I'm, I'm hoping you're really going to love. First, I need to give a thank you to our program sponsor, which is Humpback Dairies, providers of delicious, healthful camel's milk, a whole food, and more digestible than cow's milk. They can be reached at 417-848-7570. So the show topic today is one that's quite interesting. It's kind of like a theme of creating happiness, choosing better feeling thoughts, having forgiveness, all related to autism. And the the interesting part about this show is that um, my I have my son is 19 years old with autism, and he was. Uh, last night was going to be his first day moving in and living with his dad, who lives about an hour away from me. And for the last 19 years, I have been um, with Joey and thinking about Joey 24-7 and where he's at, is he okay, is he safe, is everything all right, Um, and really his primary caregiver. And last night was a night that I was driving home and feeling a ton of different emotions as I was about to be driving him to his father's and um, that was going to be his new residence. And as I'm driving back, I get this urgent phone call from Terry Aranga uh, from Voice America saying, can you do the show tomorrow? I want you to do it on Joey. And I, you know, said yes, kind of started to bawl pretty much, started crying just in this terrible place of where am I with Joey? I don't even know where I am. And I came back and I thought, no, this is this is the perfect time to do a show about Joey and my path and where I've been. So um, as I kind of processed things and got through yesterday evening, this morning, I frantically called one of my dearest friends, and her name's Michelle O'Neill. She has a wonderful blog called... Um, um, uh, <laughs> I knew it's a great blog. I was gonna, I was gonna actually, yeah, that's so funny. Um, and she, Full Soul Ahead is this fantastic blog where she has been writing about her daughter Riley, who also has traveled the path of autism. So I called her frantically, said, "You need to do this show with me." I for for both support and because the show story is so 
tremendously different than mine, yet we both have a very similar attitude about autism, and that's why I wanted her to be on. I don't want the flowery things that I'm talking today about autism to be one-sided, and I don't want the 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 all of the emotions to be about what I'm dealing with with Joe. I want this to be a real mom-to-mom, dad-to-dad, even aunt-to-uncle, grandparent, and more importantly, even sibling-to-sibling conversation about what we all face every single day and how we can create more happiness in this whole situation by just the way we're kind of looking at it. So that very long introduction, thank you, Michelle, for joining me today. You're welcome. You know, when you were talking about, um, you said something about choosing happiness is one of the topics for today. And right. when you said that, something flashed into my mind about when Riley was about three years old. And at the time, she had been screaming for over a year. We didn't know that she'd continue to scream for another year and a half at that point. But um, we went to the Option Institute, which, oh, right. you know, uh, part of the, is it the Autism Research? I, I can't remember what their what their name is with now. Ron Kaufman did yes. you go to? Okay, great. So we Wonderful. went for a weekend there and we heard a lot of talk about choosing happiness. Yes. And Ron I remember I had so many mixed feelings at that that weekend because I thought, how can I be happy if my child is screaming? It's impossible. And they were saying it wasn't impossible and I kind of wanted to punch them. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't understand how you could, you know, I'm her mother. She's suffering. She's screaming. And you're telling me I can just be okay with that. And um, I don't think that I've ever really gotten to the point where I'm okay with it. But the more – I was kind of at the point where, well, what I'm doing isn't working. So maybe I can try to change my thinking. Maybe I can try to shift things a little bit. Let's see. And the more I try and the more I work on that with things like meditation and, you know, a lot of different techniques that, that we use, I um, – I feel better, and she feels better. And we've kind of been on this tandem healing journey together, Riley and I, over the last 10 years. And it's all intertwined. It's all intertwined. Her emotions, they're intertwined with my emotions. Um, but the, the more I work on myself, the better Riley does. Perfectly said, and so tremendously true. So I want to give the audience just a one-minute synopsis about both of our kids so that they get a quick little picture of what we're talking about as we're talking today. So my son Joey is 19. Um, uh, he had extremely severe, severe, severe autism. Um, one of in, in working in a practice for the last uh, 15 years or what? How many years has it been? Um, a lot of years that I've been working in, in a practice with autism. Um, I, I really have never seen a child more severe than Joey. He he was um, extremely self-abusive and um, just really had absolutely no, uh, what seemed like no cognitive abilities at all. Um, yes, diet was essential for him. Um, and, and yes, we've done the route of the supplements, which, of course, this is what I do for a living now. This is how I met my husband. My husband is um, a pediatrician. I was a um, mom with this very, very severe child and fell in love with the most wonderful man in the world, who is now my husband, Dr. John Hicks. And uh, together, we started exploring autism and looking at it in a different way. I would say the most interesting part about, about my path 
would probably be the anger I have felt throughout the years as to why our patients were getting better, but my son wasn't. And of course, I'm qualifying better from a normal perspective. To me, better meant more normal. Um, And I've dealt with so much anger with that because Joey did not get really a lot of help until he was eight. A lot of time had been had gone by, and I really was angry that there wasn't anything more I could do for my own son, yet patients were coming in and having recovery situations, and, and I didn't get that. So I would say that's been a lot of my focus over the years as to trying to, to find the fairness of this. Of course, I have big reasons and answers for that now, but um, I didn't know it at the time. So, Michelle, do you want to just give me your, your synopsis real quickly? Synopsis of, of our story of Riley. with Riley? Yeah. Um, well, Riley was not a severe case of autism. Riley was um, a very verbal, articulate little girl, um, you know, met a lot of milestones early, though she didn't walk until she was about 18 months. Um, she she could talk very, very early. She could sing very early. She could do all kinds of things. She's she's never had a huge problem with eye contact unless it's people that she doesn't know or feel comfortable with. She would never offer affection, but she would, she would receive it. Um, she was absolutely a darling little child, except for she her skin is thin as tissue paper, so she would walk around in the slightest little upset could send her into complete meltdown. And it happened all the time, every day, for years. So it was it was really stressful. It was really hard for her to even be here in the world. It was like everything everything rubbed against her last nerve. And um, we started turning it around, you know, bit by bit by bit over the last 10 years. Uh, a lot of biomed therapies, a lot of alternative therapies, um, and like I said earlier, a lot of work on myself and what I, you know, she's, she's changed, my husband and I, what we thought about everything, what we thought about education, what we thought about parenting, um, the kind of parents we thought we were going to be, what we thought about uh, spirituality, religion, everything has been turned on its head and examined because of her. And um, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, a, per- that's a perfect You know, topic. right now she's and doing fantastic. She's, she's 12 years old and she is just in such a good place. She's a bouncy, happy, sweet joy, really. And, and, in, and in many ways, Joey is doing fantastic, too. I mean, he is extremely happy. Has He's probably the healthiest kid um, you've ever seen. I mean, he's just he's amazingly beautiful and just strong and, and biomedically in great shape, but he still does not have a lot of verbal communication. So uh, it's something that I have struggled with for, for a lot of years. And, but one of the things that Michelle and I are I'm anxious to talk about with Michelle is what the term recovery means because so many um, websites and doctors and everybody's promoting they want to do this recovery. And I think that that was one of the worst words that I had to hear 10 years ago. Now I'm fine with it either way. It doesn't matter. But it was a horrible word to hear when you knew your child was not going to recover. It was something that was like a a failure notice of, 
you didn't recover your child, so you didn't do everything right. Okay. And I hear that from a lot of parents to this day. And, um, um, Michelle, we are going to have to go for a quick break. But okay. when we get back, I'd like to hear your opinions of this and, uh, and many other things as well, too. So please, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Michelle O'Neill and Betsy Hicks. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And it's Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Oranga, and I'm joined here with Michelle O'Neill, who has a wonderful blog called Full Soul Ahead. And she and I today are talking about this um, drive to create more happiness in, in the lives of, of families with autism and in ways to kind of look at it differently and and, uh, and and how we perceive it all. Um, Michelle and I were just talking about, I had just talked about the word recovery and, and the pain that the word recovery used to make for me. So, um, Michelle, can you comment on that? Because I have to say, I mean, I know you still struggle with many things with Riley, but when I see Riley, I think of her as being recovered. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Um, well... I think that's one of the, um, I don't know what the term I'm looking for, that's one of the the struggles or burdens of people with high-functioning kids is that people look at them as recovered, and they still have a lot of challenges even though you can't see them, you know, just because she's not, you know, stimming in public or, or doing a lot of things that are, you know, labeled autistic behaviors in front of people doesn't mean that she's not faced with a lot of challenges. And right. so I think, like, our combo as a friendship is really important because we, we remind each other of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's a tendency for, for people within the autism community to think they know what's going on in this family or that family. I've just learned that you just cannot know and you cannot 
make assumptions or judge about anyone <laughs> that's dealing with anything um, as far as autism goes. You just, you just don't know. Riley does have a lot of challenges. She works very hard every day. Um, she, and, and it's interesting because, because it was, it would, when Michelle had said, you know, our friendship, and, and it's so, so valuable to me, our friendship, because we write to each other just about every day. And actually, Michelle and I have probably only talked on the phone maybe like 10 times ever, and we've been <laughs> extremely close friends for, I don't know, three years? Yeah, probably. Four. And we write every single day, and we and we we do a little exercise with each other to help get us in a good place, and and it is important because, you know, I think that so many times I'm in the worst case scenario, but then I see what Michelle's going through with Riley, who doesn't have anybody to sit with at the lunch table, and here I am, my son could care less who is sitting at his lunch table. <laughs> yeah, it's a different set of worries that we that we carry exactly. really. Um, exactly. In some ways, you know, she's she's vulnerable because she's she is so high functioning, um, and you know where. And, and and people don't see. I mean, because when you meet Riley, you would never have an idea that there's something that's off. Yes. And it puts so much pressure on her, and it, and it's um, it's taught me a tremendous amount about what um, the high functioning autism right. or the Aspergers or or any of those in the in the spectrum what they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis because so much of their world has to be thought out and planned and yeah. predicted and it's not something that I'm used to at all. Right. You wouldn't know until there's a problem and then you right. know, really, 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 you know. <laughs> and it's so funny because so many people will say something like that, you know, like we've had people, she's just right off the spectrum, right? And, and then teachers will say, oh, my gosh, you know, I was when she first started school this year, I was getting phone calls and emails, like, at least three times a week, like, just having to advocate and having to um, to manage her life at school. And this is a school for special needs. So at school and challenges, in, in environments where she's challenged, um, things can really exacerbate. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm beyond over the moon at how well she's doing but it doesn't mean that she doesn't still have challenges. And right. as far as recovery goes and the word, I, um, you know, I was a huge biomed proponent early on, and I still am. And, yes, my goal was recovery. It was. I, and I looked, you know, at that, at, I looked at Ron Kaufman, and I thought, he's better, and he was way more severe than Riley, and she's going to be better. And, and you know, that was my goal. And I really, we tried, we, we tried everything, and we did everything when she was little, um, and I, I wasn't thinking that much about at the time about what that would feel like for her to always be feeling like she's the problem to be fixed. And at some point we did have a turnaround about that. Um, I'm not sure exactly if it was one moment, one epiphany. I wrote, I wrote a blog post early on about why autism sucks, and that was the title, and I was pissed, and I was just mad, and we were having a really hard time. And I got a, a comment from uh, a young adult with autism whose feelings were completely hurt. Um, and it really affected me. You know, I hadn't looked at it that way. Like, what, would it, 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 what if there isn't a recovery? What if, this is, what if this is all, you know, a spectrum, like they say? What if, um, what if I can't fix it? What am I saying to her if I'm saying things like autism sucks? Not that I said that to Riley, but if that's my attitude if, in being with her. Um, 
so I'm I'm kind of in this weird place in between um, recovery and acceptance. It's it's acceptance of where we are right now, and it's uh, always trying to help her, always trying to help if I can alleviate suffering that she has. That's what recovery is to me. If if I can um, eliminate some of her suffering and some of her challenges and make life a little bit more doable for her. So then, that's so then the question. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was I was just going to say, but then so then in in that perspective, do you think that in many ways I have recovered, Joey, because yeah. of the fact that he's never in pain anymore. He doesn't have stomach pains or head pains or things like that. Yes, that's what I see as recovery. If he feels good, right? If he's if he's not suffering, you know, that is recovery to me. And then all like his, his life and Riley's life, they might not look exactly like what other people's lives look like, but if they're having a good life. Um, and, I mean, not that we can ever eliminate all human suffering. We all have suffering to some degree, you know. It's just right. it's the human existence. But to the point where I can help her to navigate it and to be able to live a, a joyful existence, that to me is what recovery is. That's what my hope is for her right now. That's a really great way to think about it. Okay, so then I have to go, which seems to me to just flow out of me like hot lava day on a day-to-day basis is, is the word guilt. You know, not having done enough, not feeling like I'm doing enough. Should I be, should I, did I do it wrong? You know, it's, it's both the regret, the present tense of not, I'm not doing enough right at this moment, and the future of what else is it that I have to do? Because like you, you know, I, I thought, I'm going to recover my son. My son is going to be completely fine. I, there's no way I'm going to ever stop on this. And then at one point you come to this realization that, okay, that's not what he wants because he kind of likes not, you know, I always tell the story, which I still think to this day is, is the way to, to, light, to change my attitude is when John and I were doing yard work one day and we were schlepping across giant branches to the pile to burn and working so hard and just melting in the sweat. And Joey was sitting with his bathing suit on with his shirt off on the hammock and he looked at us and just started laughing. And I just... <laughs> Okay, you know, (laughs) just I just like yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're, you know, who's the higher level here? (laughs) Who's who's the one who's got this whole thing figured out? So so, um, but the guilt had played on me for so many years, and it really, what you talked about at the very beginning, that coming to that awareness of of you getting in a better place to get the children, because our kids don't want to be responsible for our happiness. They don't want to be like, mommy's sad because I have autism. I mean, I get really, really uncomfortable when I see so many posts on autism websites about, you know, this damage and, 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 and all of the anger and the fighting, and we're fighting for our kids, and our kids are just necessarily like, hmm, you know, I'm not really sure I came in this life for you to fight. It, although I really, really respect those wonderful people who have been in Washington and who have done so much to make laws change. I'm not necessarily seeing it that, saying it that way because there's been a lot of wonderful progress that's been made from these families. Well, but I, I, see have, it, I, I see the anger as a good thing because I think anger is better than despair. 
And I think if you're, if you're coming from a place of complete helplessness and despair about your child, and if your child is really suffering, I think anger can be good fuel for a while. I think it can be really, um, it, can, it can blast you forward to where you need to go. Okay. Uh, and I've been there for a long time. How period. long? Um, years, you know, early years, probably from probably four years. I don't know. And, and it took us far. It really did. It, it, it fueled all my researching, all the things that helped Riley. It fueled, it fueled my, my spiritual seeking. You know, I knew, like, I needed to do something or I wasn't going to make it. I was just so furious. Um, so I think there's a place for anger. And I don't think that we can, we can judge anyone else for their anger any more than we can, you know, judge what their choices are as far as how they're working with their kids or what they're doing or not doing. We just, we just don't know. Well, then how um, I can do you say think that so I don't kids, necessarily want to be around it. Right. <laughs> how you know. do you think, though, the kids, the kids that are aware of their parents' anger feel, though? That, that's probably, I, I, I think you're right. You're yeah, I think, it right. Could be, I think it could be damaging. I think it really could be. I don't know. I don't know why that kid and that parent are together on a soul level. Who knows? Who knows yeah. what they're here to learn, you know, what they're, what they're working on together. Um, I know that I like time, what you're saying, though. I think I think that what you're saying is is really important. That anger does it helps us get out of despair and it helps us move move forward mm-hmm. most definitely. Um, you know, one I'm time, just, go ahead, go ahead. One time, um, I was going to say that you, you said children don't want to be responsible for their parents' happiness, and uh, my daughter is the most peaceful, loving, nonviolent person ever. Yeah, she really is. She doesn't. She's never teased her brother once has never been jealous of him once. She's just, she's just like pure good. And, um, but she was so exasperating when she was younger with all the screaming. And sometimes I would just like lose it. I, you know, I would just, I couldn't take it anymore. And there was one day, it was, a, it was a really hard day. And she had just had meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. And I usually never showed her my emotions. And I just sat down in a chair and I started, to, I put my hands over my face and I felt like crying. And she, she came over and she said, what's, What's wrong, Mommy? And I said, it's hard, Riley. It's hard for me when you scream. And this child who wouldn't hurt a flea, wouldn't, I mean, would, wouldn't hurt anyone ever, she just went out of her mind. She, start, she was so little. She was like four. You know, she had no muscle tone, no strength, but she started trying to punch me. She was like trying to beat on me with her fist. She couldn't take it that she wow. might be causing me pain. Wow. Like, that is what to do with that. Story. I mean, and that really, that incident really stuck with me. Like, she doesn't want to do this. This isn't, she's not being willful, you know, and right. so I've tried to, not not 100% successfully always, but I've tried to keep that in mind, you know, that she's just doing her best, and, you know, so are, so are the parents. Okay, but, but so tell me then, going back to what we were just talking about with the anger, does Riley know that you're angry, angry now? I mean, because she's so brilliant and she's so easy to talk to now, and she, she articulates things so well. What, what does she think about that anger now? What does she think about vaccine companies and all those things that we, we do get angry at? She, and I have to say, we have one minute before okay. we go to break, so if you can make it in you the know, whole typical Riley, I mean, she has some fear around the subject and it immediately turns it to forgiveness, and people don't know what they're doing, and oh, they beautiful. can't help it. Even the pharmaceutical companies, the people that run them, she's, like, she turns to forgiveness instantly. Wow. That is really, really beautiful. She feels All right, bad sometimes, um, but, you know, not angry. Yeah, that's not Riley. 
Okay, we're going to go for a quick break. We'll be right back um, in a short time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for New Reflections, featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And it's Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Aranga, who is texting me <laughs> right now. Terry, I know you're listening because you're texting me, and she wants to make some comments onto this too, which I think is important because we are talking a lot about anger and dealing with anger. And my my initial concern, and to recap this, my initial concern was that if we're constantly living in anger, we just it's our kids are not looking very. It, it it might upset them that we're always feeling angry about their situation. Michelle made some amazing points about Riley's forgiveness and never feeling anger towards anyone. And just it's beautiful. Uh, Terry had mentioned that anger is okay when it's responding to things like greed and harm to your children. Most definitely, I can't imagine not feeling anger. You know, if your child is if someone is necessarily harming them, um, but but we. Um, and then, um, but guilt is definitely useless and destructive. And that is without a doubt that none, none of us are going to be benefiting from any guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but let's, let's finish talking about guilt before we move on, um, briefly in that, how do we not feel guilty, Michelle? I mean, uh, you, you and I have had this conversation so many different times about the, about the things that, you've helped me get through this, and I, I would love to hear your words to tell parents, how do you get through the feeling that you should be doing more or should have done more? Hmm. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought you were going to have some big answer. Oh, no, I'm not that <laughs> profound. Um, I mean, I guess it's just not helpful. 
I mean, I, I still do it, you know. I mean, I think, I mean. Usually you just tell me, Betsy, stop it. Just stop well, it. it's easier to tell you to stop it than to do it myself, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we know, it's, we know it's useless guilt. You know, there's nothing that you can do. You can't go back. You can't change what you've done or, or haven't done. Um, we can only start where we are in the present moment and move forward. And, you know, that old cliche that things happen for a reason and we're, we are where we need to be right now, I mean, I think that goes for, for both us and our children. It, we're all just learning. And, 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 and Terry had made a point, too, in her text to me is that, you know, we get angry for our neurotypical children, too. I mean, when somebody's going to harm them or do something yeah. difficult. Um, I, uh, as, as, you know, we have to enjoy our children where they're at and exactly as they are at. Mm-hmm. And is, as I loved Michelle's example about Riley being upset when she thought she was causing her mom sadness. And that's mm-hmm. where, um, I really hope that we all, you know, kind of consider that sometimes when we're, um, when, because you're right, being angry is just a normal type of thing. Now let's go on to talking about siblings because um, you are truly blessed with one of the most amazing siblings for Riley that, I mean, Seth is probably, has been like, he he's just been a pure angel, not only for in your life, but in Riley's I, um life as well. To talk a little bit about Seth's age and, and what he's been like to Riley. Okay, so Seth is um, two years younger than Riley, and he has grown up with her. And one of, one of the beautiful things about Riley is that she, whatever part of the brain dealt with jealousy and competition and all of that, it really wasn't, it wasn't turned on when she was little. So when Seth was born, she, it was just pure adoration for him. She loved him immediately and never felt put out by, you know, a new baby. And so he's grown up just adored by this sister. She's never teased him. Um, She's never competed with him. And so he, in turn, just adores her. And they have this really super close relationship. And um, he's just been an amazing sibling for her. He's just been... I mean, he's an amazing person anyway. I mean, I'm a little biased. He's my boy. Oh, but. he is. I, I, I'm, I'm not biased, and he is amazing. He's just really so. sweet. When she would scream and cry, you know, blood-curdling screams, where I'd have to lock myself in another room sometimes just to keep my stuff together, he'd sit beside her on the floor in his little diaper, you know, at, at one year old, one and a half, and just kind of hold space. He would just sit there beside her while she screamed. He wasn't afraid of her. And, you know, he probably heard it in utero. <laughs> it wasn't that, that startling to him anymore. <laughs> oh, um, I know that sound. <laughs> but he's just always kind of been that way, kind of accepting. And I think so many autism siblings are so remarkably beautiful. I mean, well, yeah, I, I, so I have, I have Joey's twin who um, is in college right now, and she's hoping she's actually um, – She's majoring in psychology, minoring in disability studies, and hopes to become an um, occupational therapist and work with adults with autism. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, his younger sister, who's 16, who um, is truly his best therapist and mm-hmm. um, has just such beautiful empathy with all children with all sorts of types of, but 
what are known as disabilities, whether you call them disabilities or not. Mm -hmm. She's just has a beautiful empathy to them. And there is so much goodness that comes from all of that as, as well. And just because I think a part of why they are so pure is because they don't have that guilt and anger the way that the parents do. Um, And they just have this pureness and love for them and really don't feel responsible for it. I mean, they do feel responsible because they want to help, but not responsible for causing it Mm -hmm. or not having done enough as much as, as the parents do. And so the energy is very, very shifted with the siblings. Although Seth, one time at a birthday party, when I think he was about four, um, at the time Riley's ears were so sensitive that the kids started singing happy birthday too loudly, and she broke down. She started to have a meltdown. No one could even see it because the kids were being rowdy, and they were singing really loud. And and meanwhile, Riley's, like, imploding, and little Seth, he tried to stop the party. He stood up, like, with it, like like a traffic cop with his hands up in the air saying, stop, stop, you're singing too loud. My sister's ears hurt. You know, I mean, it was just so beautiful and sad at the same time that this little four-year-old felt so responsible that he was trying to, you know, control this birthday celebration that he had absolutely no ability to control. Um, But I do hear what you're saying about them not, you know, they're not paying the bills, they're not doing the treatments, they're not researching, they're just able to really be pure presence with their sibling. And uh, I know he's taken her to a lot of places, I mean, just as far as playing, I mean, he was way more effective than, you know, physical therapy or occupational therapy, just the things he would get her to do physically when she was so off balance when she was little, um, you know, walking down a hill or rolling down a hill when she just she couldn't even sit on a kitchen chair without falling off. And he would get her to do all kinds of things because she trusted him and she loved him and she was trying to keep up with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and I don't know. The Sibs are just the unsung heroes. They really are. They're just so many of them. I've met so many of them, and they're all so beautiful. And I think they have a huge um, spiritual part of this whole autism epidemic, too. I, I really think, you know, on a, I, on I a, do. I do. So level. I think that, that kind of segues me into the next piece of talking about um, the purpose. And um, uh, I really kind of want that to be, you know, to talk about the purpose of autism in 10 minutes before we go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> might be a little over ambitious, but um, maybe we can kind of segue that into this because we do have these beautiful children who are so delightful in their own tremendously unique ways, and all of them have a different way of where you kind of reach that level of of beauty. I mean, some children love to to play; others just like to be happy in the stillness others you know they they're all doing they're all finding that beauty in in a different way but how do we um how do we look at at, at why this is all happening i mean john and i sat last night and reflected about all the things that joey has done for us we talked about how john completely changed his practice of medicine because of joey and went from a a standard pediatrician to working holistically and helping to work with autism and how much more empathy and love he started to have for his patients after he entered Joey's life and then how that trickled into thousands because of all the the thousands of patients that he's worked with. Um, And then I think about my health and um, how well I eat now because of what I had to learn of nutrition because of Joe and because 
of um, how I don't, you know, how I question authority, how I don't listen to what the CDC tells me to do, and how well that has served me since I've stopped listening to that, um, and and how I I pay attention to symptoms and things that are that happening in, in my health and how strong I am and healthy and um, wiser because of it. So, you know. I don't think that autism in particular has a purpose. I think the purpose is to find in each family, in each child, in each person that that one is touching, it creates its own purpose. What, what do you think about that? I agree with that, too. I think that, you know, one parent at a time, one family at a time, um, one community at a time, autism is changing people. And I, I know for me, um, I imagine... Before we, before Riley started the methylated B12 shots, she had, she was a great responder to that. And what I imagine is that before she started that, before she could effectively detox her body, uh, she felt like the world's worst hangover as a baseline. Mm-hmm. So everything you can, you know, set her off. Loud noises, bright lights, everything set this child off. And so, you know, working with her and figuring this kid out, I've had to realize that when when there's a behavior there's a reason for it. She doesn't feel good. And so when I have to admit that about my child, I have to look around at everybody else and give them the same consideration. So when I see, you know, someone acting like a jerk at the supermarket, right. I have to think something's going on there. And if he felt good, he'd do better. Even, you know, a 50-year-old man. Um, so it's, it's changed me, just made me a lot more kind, made me a lot more open, um, you know, considerate, loving toward other people, kind of being willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. We don't know what's going on inside other people. And, you know, like you said, Riley, you can't tell by looking at her. I don't know how many times um, I've, I've heard people complain about things or complain about people, and the thing that they're complaining about, I'm like, oh, that person might have had autism, the one that crowded you on the elevator that you just, you know, texted about or, you know, <laughs> wrote about. Um, so... And, and the more open I am and the more I talk about it with other people or write about it on my blog, I think, I think people learn. And so, I mean, that's, that's how it's changing the world, you know, just little bits at a time. Hopefully people are becoming more aware and becoming kinder yeah. and more accepting of all differences, not just autism, but Right, right, that's, that's exactly about. right. And, and, and that's why we need to have our kids out there and we need to take them to the movie theaters and we need to go to amusement parks and do things with them in restaurants and, and not be so worried about what everybody is thinking about you or your child mm-hmm. um, because the, it's, the piece of it is is that we have got to show the world that it's okay to be different mm-hmm. and, and we don't have to feel that we have to make our child fit in. Uh, with, with every situation, because let, let them come around to us, not making our kids always come around to them. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have to take another quick break. We will mm-hmm. be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on voiceamericakids.tv. 
America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step Up to the Microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. Have you figured out what's not working in your life? Could you use a little help? Join your host, Tamaran, for Let's Figure It Out. Tamaran has had both highs and lows in her life. She uses her experiences to teach you some basic techniques on how to live a better life through health, relationships, and more. Her guests also come from the health and wellness industry, and together, Tamaran and her guests will help you get your life on the right path. Let's Figure It Out airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you look your best? Do you feel your best? While everybody ages, why does it seem to show more in some people than others? It could have to do with what's inside and how it affects you outside. Tune in to Health and Beauty for Life with Dr. Tang and Alexandra. Their training in medicine and nutrition brings proven results with their patients. And now they're ready to bring that knowledge to you. We'll answer your questions and explore innovations in technology and medicine to keep you looking and feeling your best. Tune in Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Thanks for sticking around. This is Betsy Hicks, and we're going to be wrapping this up, but I do want to do a couple things before Michelle and I talk a little bit about uh, uh, more a little on, on the subject of autism. First, I want to thank our sponsor, Humpback Dairies, which provides delicious, helpful camel's milk, um, which is a wonderful whole food and more digestible than cow's milk. They can be reached again, as I said earlier in the show, at 417-848-7570. And also, don't forget to register for the Autism One Conference this May. Woohoo! Yay! Go to autismone.org. I will be there. I'm speaking about who knows what. I think I'm something to do with broccoli. Um, I'm not... <laughs> I I don't know. Terry is the most imaginatively fabulous title maker of anyone I know, and I saw my title today. It looked really fabulous, but I just I just do what Terry tells me to do, and um, I it usually goes well. Uh, so please make sure and register because it's going to be a great one this year. She's got some fabulous fabulous speakers lined up. Okay, so the one thing I want to finish up with Michelle is talking about control and how. As, as um, parents, as adults, and even as professionals in the medical field, because you're a nurse and I'm a, I'm a nothing, but I help run a clinic. <laughs> My husband is an MD. Um, I want to say how we think we always know what is best for our kids. And, and, and I think that there's a huge difference between intuition and wanting to be right, and 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 wanting to be right, and uh, and thinking that we know best with when our ego is involved, is not really kind of fight, following the guidance that the kids are trying to give us. 
when we go with our intuition, what feels logical, what feels like the next logical step, what feels good to our guts, what feels good to, you can tell, feels good to our children, uh, we tend to get led in better situations. And I think it's just very interesting what's happening with me in this last couple of days because as my son is moving in with his dad and I really thought, no, I am the best. I am the best one to raise this boy. He is not, should not be, uh, you know, and nobody else should be in charge of this child and I am, I've, I know him better than anybody. My son's, you know, nearly an adult, and he is an adult, and he he wanted to be with his dad, and and it doesn't matter if I can cook something healthier or if I can um, anticipate his his needs as a little bit faster. It really he was he was leading me to saying something like, you know, I'm ready for something new, and not. It took a lot to put my ego down and say, no, I'm doing this, I'm going to do what's best for Joe and kind of put this aside. And I think that if there's any advice that I could give a new parent of a child with autism, it would be to spend more time going to that gut intuition, that place of kind of feeling good and knowing rather than that ego, that ego side of our this is what's right, and this that moral kind of like, no, this is the correct way. Um, and what do you think about that, Michelle? Because I know that you've gone a lot with intuition in the past. I think that um, it's really helpful to stop and check, you know, it, if, if you're coming from a place of fear with a decision, mm-hmm. if you're coming Beautiful. from a place of, um, like, higher good and intuition, you know, and I've I've done plenty from both places. <laughs> you know, we've 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 done a lot of things from uh, fear, and those right. things tend not to work and tend not to help and tend. You know, luckily we haven't had any like major regressions or anything like that. Um, but we've spent money, and then other things that just feel right intuitively. Um, you know, really, am I am I coming from a place of fear? If so, then, you know, pause, take a step back, think about it a few more days. Um, that that just kind of helps me. Uh, I, I don't know if I answered your question. I don't know if I was going to... That's what, what you exactly, were going for. That was exactly what I wanted because I think that I was looking for the marker of to how to a parent to tell where it's the difference between that place of intuition and not because sometimes they think that they're being driven and to do something, but they're being driven to do it out of fear, not yeah. to do it because it's really what's necessarily the next logical step. And I think that fear is a perfect way to put it. And I've actually told patients that have called here before and they have so much fear because they said, I I, I was told, you know, they have this maybe a two-year-old that just diagnosed, I was told if I don't do this and this and this by the time they're three that my child will not recover and they get so scared. And it's like, you know, you just really, as as veteran parents, you want to say, take a really deep breath here and mm-hmm. no, no, nothing is going to be changed by you making a decision today versus right. waiting until you feel better about what this decision is. Right. And it might, you might make the same decision, but, you know, to do it from a place of feeling empowered and not a place of, you know, feeling like, like something, like a monster's chasing you down, um, it's just such a difference. Right. Or that time is truly... Um, yeah, you know, is again, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. <laughs> there you go. Yep. <laughs> That's a really, really nice way to kind of go on to that. Um, I, I really appreciate talking, and and I should have 
Bree mentioned too that um, Michelle's blog is Full Soul Ahead, and it's wonderful to tap into because Michelle shares such real advice. You know, Michelle and I have talked about, we've toyed around many times before about how we want to try to get this kind of information out, whether it be in books and workshop formats or different things, conferences that can be more focused on dealing with a lot of these types of things. And it really comes from a good friendship of somebody that you can talk about these feelings with because you know, I will be, I will have a day at work where I will seem so put together and I will talk to a parent and really help calm them down and seem like autism is the most beautiful thing in the world and I'm so there. And then the next day, my son puts his head in the wall and I'm calling, you know, I'm writing Michelle and saying, this sucks, this is real. How am I supposed to support others when I feel such dread myself? And it's okay. I mean, these are, these are all real things that you can feel. Um, right. It's not, it's not like we're ever going to be done. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're ever going to say, oh, I've got this licked. I'm, I'm, I'm totally perfect at dealing with autism and life. That has you know? nothing to do with autism. That's parenting. <laughs> we, all, we all struggle with this with all of our kids. It's yep. just, yeah, it's, it's just something it is. But, you know, be gentle on yourself and don't, you know, don't try to feel as if you do have to figure it all out um, and your child's welfare depends on you figuring it all out like today. And let the feelings come and let them blow through because when yeah. you spend so much time beating yourself up about the feelings, like, you know, I'm sorry, sometimes having a child with autism is maddening and it is frustrating and it is anger-provoking. And, you know, I used to really do a number on myself because I'd feel furious and then I'd spend, you know, a good week or two beating myself up for feeling furious instead of just saying, you know what, I'm human, I'm doing the best that I can, I'm trying so hard, and I love my child so much, and, you know, I'm still angry. It still, it still happens. It's still part of the human existence. And, you know, I defy anyone to, to deal with an autistic child that's having behavior issues and screaming and, and have them not to not to feel those feelings. You know, it doesn't help to, I mean, of course, it's not good to take it out on the child, but I, I used to feel like I had to be, you know, benevolent mother. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not possible, but, but it's possible to feel better, you know, and it's possible to keep moving in the right direction. It is, and it, and it can be not done. Not perfectly, you know, <laughs> not we'll as keep, long as we we'll still keep, have a heartbeat. We'll keep forging ahead, my dear friend. We have to close up today's show. Um, you, just to mention again, so in, in, um, if you are um, interested in learning more about what Michelle does, please go to Full Soul Ahead. My website is Elementals Living, Elementals with an S, living.com, um, and you can learn more about what I do here as well, and please let me know. I mean, if anybody is interested in seeing kind of the worksheet that Michelle and I do with each other every day, I'm happy to send them um, a sample of what it kind of looks like because it really does help us get in better places every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, thank you again to our sponsor, um, the Humpback Dairies, and, of course, thank you to Autism One, who is such an amazing resource to all of us and who we appreciate so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We've had a lot thank of fun. Thank you, Betsy. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org.
Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.